The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Good morning, everybody. It's Tom Sone, and this morning, I just wanted to give everybody the correct information about deposits, what you must know and what you must do as a DIY landlord in order to be compliant and to avoid costing yourself and losing yourself a big ton of money. Deposits at the moment are a pretty big topic. There are loads of companies now that are coming after landlords. Do you remember the whole uh, payment protection thing, the PPI or whatever they call it, where lawyers were going around trying to find banks and customers that had been sold payment protection and then going after them to try and get that money back. Well, tenants and tenancies are now the same thing. So one of those big areas is deposits. Um, so yeah, I'll run through the things that you must do with every deposit you get for every tenancy. And I'll also tell you uh, how you can dispute those deposits and how you can make deductions from those deposits properly. But also what's going to happen if you don't do all of this. I'll talk you through those risks too. And this is all part of my everything you need for every tenancy, every time guide that I've put together. It's not just a little checklist that tells you everything you need for every tenancy every time. This is a whopping great big, fully inclusive, all out guide which contains actually everything you need for every tenancy, every time. It's over 100 pages, uh, but it includes all the templates, the documents, the guides, the notes, the advice, the tips, the warnings, the risks, all of those things. So, deposits. First of all, it's important to remember that you must register that deposit within 30 days of receipt. Now, notice I said receipt. This is a point that a lot of people, a lot of landlords get wrong and agents as well. So if you're an agent listening to this, it's not register that deposit within 30 days of the tenancy starting. It's 30 days of receiving that deposit um, physically. So make sure you don't miss that 30 days of receipt. You must register it with a government approved deposit protection scheme. And the three are the DPS, the TDS and my deposits. My deposits is like the odd one out, isn't it? The DPS and the TDS sound very governmental, government, government like, whereas my deposits just sounds like a, a company that was thrown together. Um, anyway, so yeah, the DPS, the TDS and my deposits. Now, my advice to you is don't keep that deposit in your bank. So you can register it with those companies, but you can register it and declare that you're keeping hold of it but you've got it registered safe and ring fence secured. Don't do that. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's the tenant's money. So if anything happens to you, then that could prove a problem down the line with the tenant's money. But secondly, it's a big burden for you. And you have to start taking into account things like interest earned. 
I know people don't think about that, but interest earned on somebody else's money. You have to think about those things. Talk to your accountant. If you've got an accountant, talk to them and find out what the implications are there. But my advice to you is don't keep it. Put it into the DPS or the TDS or My Deposits account and they will then maintain that money and keep it ring-fenced for you. And then when you need to withdraw it, you just log in, withdraw it, job done. Easy as that. It also gives you a few uh, routes to be able to dispute those deposits. So I'll come back to that too. But don't keep it. Um, look, if you're not taking a deposit from the tenant, which is a common thing when you're a DIY landlord or a private landlord, whatever you want to call it, self-managing landlord, then that's no problem. That's fine. As long as you declare that in the AST, in the Assured Shorthold Tenancy contract or your tenancy contract, you must put in there that you're not taking a deposit. Because you also must put in there what happens, because you're not taking a deposit, what happens at the end of the tenancy when you are claiming for damages and rent arrears or anything like that. You'll need that in the contract, otherwise you can't claim a thing. Well, you, you could, but it would be a fairly lengthy legal process to be able to try. Um, so, and by the way, I'm in my car today. Just thought I'd fancy the change of scenery instead of the, the brick wall that is no longer here. Anyway, I don't know why I told you that. So you can also take precautions against having no deposit and against damage and rent arrears just by including a clause in your AST about what would happen. And then we come to the actual deposit disputes themselves. So you get to the end of the tenancy and let's say your tenant has um, caused a load of damage directly. Um, then, of course, you're going to want to make a deduction from that deposit. That's what it's there for. Um, but the tenant disputes your deductions. Now, this is where it can get a bit messy because what is deductible and what isn't and how much can you deduct and how much can't you deduct? So I'm just going to throw a few examples out here. Of course, there's direct damage caused by the tenant. Now, yes, you can claim that from the deposit, but it has to be reasonable. And the way to think about all of this is what would a judge say? If you were stood in front of a judge, you're, you're on one side and the tenant is on the other, and you're saying to the judge, I want the tenant to pay for a new kitchen because they damaged it, and the tenant is saying, I only damaged the cupboard doors, what is a judge going to say? The judge is going to act completely impartially, completely fairly, and tell you to bugger off, and tell you that the tenant will replace the cupboard doors only, and that's that, you're not getting a new kitchen, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord. And you would have just cost yourself <clears throat> a load of money in court fees, and a load of time, a load of energy, probably a load of stress for you and the tenant, um, all for... I guess, the sake of knowing what you could have known beforehand. So anyway, direct damage. Yes, work it out. It has to be a reasonable deduction as well. You can't just go and charge whatever the hell you like. And I'll give you an example. One of my um, uh, friends actually was renting a property and the landlord themselves came out and had to unblock the drain. Um, I don't know why they had to do it themselves, but the landlord just came out themselves and unblocked the drain. And this is a self-managing landlord. And at the end of the tenancy, would you believe, the landlord tried to charge him 250 quid for coming out six months ago or whatever it was and unblocking the drains. Tried to charge him for that. 250 quid. 
Now, my friend, who was a tenant at the time, said, look, I'm happy to contribute towards that, fine, or I'm happy to pay for that, fine, but not 250 quid. <laughs> and I think a judge would agree with him. A judge would sit in front of that those two people and say, no, you're not charging. Are you a qualified drain extractor or whatever they call them? No. So anyway, it's got to be reasonable is the point I'm trying to make. But then there's wear and tear. And this is another very common one. Take carpets, for an example. Very common uh, misconception of what you can charge for, what you can't charge for, and how much you can charge. If you've had a tenant for seven years, right? And the average lifespan of a carpet, let's just say, is 10 years. You can't charge a tenant at the end of the tenancy for a brand new carpet because the life of that carpet is only 10 years anyway. So technically, you can only charge for wear and tear. Um, sorry, you can't charge that standard wear and tear because you can only really charge for the three years that perhaps the carpet would have been carry would have been able to carry on for hope that makes sense basically what i'm saying is you can't if the tenants used that uh, carpet for seven years you can't then charge them for a brand new carpet that's just not the way it works and then there's the whole point of returning the property to normal now if that tenant has seriously damaged that property and you want to make a deduction from um from the deposit then fine but if it's just a case of when they moved in it was all freshly painted painted magnolia and now it's freshly painted white you're going to have a difficult time in front of a judge claiming five six seven hundred quid or a thousand quid from the tenant to get it back to magnolia I, I hope that makes sense i'm not saying you won't win i'm just saying you'll have to go through that lengthy process and there is a very strong risk that the the, the judge won't allow that deposit deduction um now if the deductions you need to make are more than the deposit then you can go ahead and claim through the courts for that additional cost. A lot of people think, oh, the deposit's only 750 quid and the damage is 1,500 quid. You can still go to the courts. You take the deposit, fine, go to the courts, claim for the rest, and, and then a bailiff, if it, if it gets all that, that way, then the bailiff will go and collect your debt for you, or a debt collector. Um, you also, when you register the deposit, going back to the registration of the deposit, if you register it with the TDS, the DPS or my deposits, you must state in the contract, in the AST contract, that you've registered that deposit with that organisation. Don't forget that. That's a big one. And then you've got to renew that registration. So different Different organisations have different processes, but if you don't renew the registration of that deposit, then the tenant receives a notification to say, my tenant, is, uh, sorry, your deposit is not protected. And that's when the tenant is entitled to compensation. And this is the horrible part. If you're a landlord that's just got it wrong, you didn't know when you had to register it. You didn't know you had to register it. You just took the deposit like the old days and that was that done. So if that's the case, your tenant is entitled to three and a half times the value of the deposit as compensation. Plus, they get their deposit back as well. Plus, you can't serve them any Section 8 or Section 21 notices to leave the property. You have to go straight to court. And it's just a bit of a... Also, if you do go to court for something else, 
the judge will ask you, did you register the deposit? In all cases, doesn't matter what the situation is you've gone to court about with your tenancy, the judge will ask you, have you registered the deposit? It's the big topic at the moment. And it puts you at risk. Oh, and also if the tenant has made a load of deposit, uh, sorry, a load of damages to the property, then you also can't deduct from the deposit because you didn't register it. So remember those things. Um, let me just recap very quickly. Number one, the most important thing, all landlords, all agents, you must register the deposit within 30 days of receipt, not within 30 days of the tenancy starting. It must be receipt. Please, please, please remember that. It must be registered with the DPS, the TDS, or my deposits. Don't keep it. I know it's not, I know that's not law and it's not required. You can register the deposit and keep it in your bank, but don't. It's a it's a minefield, so to speak. If you're not if you're not registering a deposit, you must declare it on the AST. If you are registering a deposit, you must declare it on the AST. Um, try to take precautions against the uh, future damage or rent arrears as well. So putting clauses into the contract and use a lawyer, definitely use a lawyer, putting a clause into the contract that says what's going to happen if you don't pay your rent or if you need to claim damages and deductions and so on. Don't forget the whole wear and tear rule that I mentioned earlier on. And, and also, by the way, the, I'm going to be doing a webinar um, on Wednesday, I think it is, on Wednesday, which is everything you need for every tenancy every time. And that is the full comprehensive list of everything you need for every tenancy every time, um, where I'm going to go through all of that. And if you're in that webinar, I will also give you the guide. It's like a hundred and something pages long, and it includes all of the documents that you need, all of the guide, all of the checklists and tips and advice and so on that you need. So I'll give you that guide. If you registered for the webinar, just send me a message through my Facebook page or pop a comment below if you want to register for the webinar. Or actually, uh, Lee, if you're watching this, could you put the uh, link to the webinar in the comments below? Um, or send me an email, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk and we'll register onto that webinar and you'll get the guide. Anyway, compensation, don't forget, this is a big one, three and a half times the value of the deposit and the deposit back, and you can't make any deductions, and you can't issue notices for the tenant to leave. Oh, it's a risky part, but all you need to do, really, if we're going to avoid all of this, is register the, the deposit within 30 days of receipt and make fair deductions from the deposit. Look, what we're saying is be fair to your tenant. I'm not saying go and rip your tenant off and try and charge them for everything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be fair to your tenant and you can't really miss this. You can't really get this wrong if you're just fair. All right. So I hope that helps. Don't forget, if you want to sign up for the webinar, message me, email me, comment below, or when the guide comes out, I'll let you know anyway. But this is really, if anyone's on the webinar, they're going to get it in advance. I hope that helps everybody. Don't forget your deposits and I'll speak to you all soon. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message, I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.